Welcome to the Ruby Book Club podcast, where we read an hour of a Ruby book each week and dissect it with you. I'm Saran, developer and founder of Code Newbie. I'm Nadia, developer and director at Ignition Works. Today, we're continuing on with Chapter 5 of 99 Bottles of OOP by Sandy Metz and Katrina Owen. We're going to be looking at sections 5.2.3 and 5.2.4, where we extract the bottle number class. And remember that you can follow us on Twitter at Ruby Book Club. And if you're reading along and if you're on Twitter, tweet at us and let us know what you think of the book so far. We'd love to hear from you. So how did you find the reading this week? It was a very mechanical reading. Does that make yes. sense? I felt like I was just following a lot of instructions and it was cool, but yeah, it was very uh, methodical. And so there wasn't as much sort of, oh, think about this option or that option. It was more like, this is how you do it. And it was good because we got to practice the the whole, how you change code. So parsing, executing that those steps and get clarification around those steps. So that was good. Yes. What about you? Yeah, I felt I felt guilty about uh, the reading this week because I I did the pood class that Sandy Metz uh, produces. I, I did that in yes. New York City last week, and so when I and we did the nine nine bottles exercise, and we went through, and actually we had a lot of the conversations that you and I have had on the show. So when I was at the workshop, it felt like a refresher, and when I was reading the book, the book felt like a refresher of the workshop. So, <laughs> so you know this uh, stuff like the back of your head. Yeah. Now. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it definitely wasn't surprising for sure. And so it was. It was different than how it felt the previous weeks, where I wasn't reading for understanding. I was reading to make sure I understood what I think I learned from last week, and most of it uh, was was what I thought I learned. So that part was pretty good. And how did you find the course? The course was. I mean, it's exactly what Sandy told us when we interviewed her. Uh, you know, many many months ago at this point, where she said I took the workshop. And instead of you paying, you know, I think it's like 2000 bucks for the workshop, you can buy the book for 50 bucks instead. And I remember when she said that during the interview and I thought, yeah, right. Okay. There's <laughs> no way, like there's no way that, you know, a workshop can be recreated in the format of a book that doesn't make sense. But that's exactly what the workshop was. The workshop is, you know, instead of it being me and you reading the, um, the book and having questions and figuring it out, it's me, I think it was some 20 something, maybe 30 other people. Sandy was there. Avdi Grimm was there. Tom Stewart was there. So it was a, a really nice, big, rich conversation about the same stuff that is in the book, but you actually have Sandy to give you the answers. So, so let me get this right. You know how this all ends up now. I do. I know the ending. Oh, I'm sorry. We, went, we were going on this journey together and I feel like you were banging me now. I do. I feel, I feel like I, I abandoned you. I'm very sorry. Well, no spoilers. I didn't mean to. No spoilers. I will hold back. That was actually a problem in the class because in the you know first day, Sandy's asking all these questions and I just want to shout like, shameless screen, shameless screen, you know. But, <laughs> so I'm trying to hold like, back, but I'm class. also really... You know, it's all the answers. Me, 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 me. I know. And there's a point where she looked at me and she goes, you can't answer any more questions. I was like, aww. <laughs> okay. Well, are you ready to school me on today, on this week's reading? <laughs> yes. Get ready to be schooled. Let's do this. So onto section 5.2.3, extracting bottle number, which is very clearly named because that's exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> Extract a new class called bottle number using the refactoring recipe called extract class. Yes. So have you, I was going to say, have you done this refactoring before? But of course you have in the class. <laughs> yes, we did the extract class refactoring in class. 
So do you want to tell us a bit more about it? Sure. Um, so this is the part when, when we were in the workshop, we talked about the four steps, the parse the new code, parse, execute, parse, execute, and use its results, and then delete unused code. And I was very relieved that the people I paired with were also a little confused about the word parse in this context, mm-hmm. which when we first saw it, we're like, wait, what exactly, what exactly are we parsing? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was very happy to know that that was not just us. It was all of us figuring that process out. So the good thing about having a recipe to follow is it tells you when to do things and how to do things and how much of it to do. And so one of the first things we talk about is the tests. And here, we don't actually have to write any new tests. We're not necessarily using TDD because we can use the existing tests. And this is the part that I find so interesting is the fact that we're going to create this new class called bottle number, but we're going to do it by using the existing methods, copying things over. And brick by brick, we're gonna replace the entire class. Uh, And we're not gonna do it in one fell swoop, which is what I wanna do. We're gonna do it (laughs) one line and one step at a time. So what was brilliant is that we start this refactoring by just defining a bottle number class, an empty bottle number class. So if we look at listing 5.8, we have our bottles class, and then underneath we write class bottle number end. And then you're meant to save the code after every change around the test. So I did that. And then I saw that the next listing had the flocked five methods inside the bottle number class. So I cut and pasted all of the flocked five methods from the bottles class into bottle number. And I paused because I thought, wait, now the test will fail. This can't be right. And so I went back to the book more closely and saw that, no, you're meant to copy them, but not delete them in the bottles class. Yeah, and that was that was hard too when we were in the class. It's just this idea of kind of copying things over and realizing that you're not you're not actually going to use this class for maybe another step or two. It's just going to be there, ready for you to use it, which is weird. But it is really effective when you see this idea that your tests are always passing, and that you've got that safety there where you know, okay. If I take these little steps and then eventually it all magically comes together and I never had to deal with failing tests, that is pretty neat. Yeah. And I really like that when we look at the tests that we are using, Sandy talks about, Sandy and Katrina talk about how we we basically using them as we're basically using them as integration tests now because we're using the bottle test to see how bottle number works mm. indirectly. Mm-hmm. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So one thing that we do know is that our bottle number class needs to know about the value of number. And so we use an attribute reader method and we call that number. And then we also define an initialized method so that we can set the number variable. So in listing 5.10, we have class bottle number and inside we write attribute reader and define a number attribute reader. And then we have our initialize method, definitionalize, taking number as an argument. And then we set the instance variable number to equal number. And just under that, Sandy and Katrina go over what attribute reader expands to. And so when you see attribute reader in, uh, in code in Ruby, that means that you've essentially got def number and inside the body of that method is just at number. So you're reading the instance mm-hmm. variable. So now we have all of the necessary things that we need in the bottle number class to instantiate a bottle number instance, but Mm -hmm. this is only being parsed yet. So we're not executing the code. 
And so in order to execute it, we go now to our bottles class and we can see this in listing 5.11. And so inside our container method, we add a new line immediately underneath the, the def container line. And we say bottle number dot new, taking number as an argument, and then dot container, again, taking number as an argument. And when you run the tests, they still passed. And Sandy and Katrina say that this proves that the new code can execute without blowing up, but does not prove that it returns the correct result. And what I liked about this section was that I know we discussed these four steps before, so parse it, parse and execute it, et cetera, et cetera. But I felt like this was the first time in the book where there was an explanation as to why that split came about. It's like, mm. okay, this is why we have this parse and execute without using it because we just want to check it doesn't blow up. Now we're going to mm -hmm. use the result because then we can check that it's returning the right thing. And then we're going to delete the unused codes because we don't need it anymore. And I felt like we haven't quite had that step-by-step -step explanation of why that's the split. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I, I found this a useful, useful walkthrough. Yeah, throughout this whole book, I feel like it, there's been a very common theme of let's do very, very, very little steps, even if it feels like we can do a lot at once, let's hold back and let's do it one step at a time. And in these two sections is when it really came out for me when I saw, okay, this is why you do it. You know, in this refactoring, this extract class is when it felt very valuable. And so um, I thought of you doing this bit, Saron, because it says, uh -oh. so this added line of code is by any standard ugly. And the line <laughs> yeah. we're talking about is bottle number dot noon with number dot container with number. And there's a bit where it says, regardless of how much you hate passing the parameter twice. And I was just thinking <laughs> of you this whole time being like, I bet Saron hates this. I bet she doesn't <laughs> like it. Was I right? I was not a fan, but I liked that the next step felt not like a big leap. You okay. know, like it felt like, Clearly, there are a couple places where the dot, where the container method is being used or called or defined. So I, I liked that it was ugly, but it felt like I could clean it up pretty quickly. Cool. Do you want to walk us through the cleanup? Sure. So one of the things that it warns us against is altering the code before the new class is fully wired into the old one. And I remember when she said this in the workshop too, I was thinking, what does it mean for it to be fully wired in? Um, and so one of the first steps in the wiring process is moving that line of code that we added to the container method in our bottles class that reads bottle number dot new passing a number dot container passing a number again, moving it to the bottom of that method so that it it actually is the code that executes and we are able to use the result. And I thought, okay, great, now we're, we're on to something. So once we do that and we run the test, the test pass, we can now eliminate the conditional that we're not actually using in our container method. So now instead of having the if number equal equals one return bottle, else return bottles, we can remove that entirely. And the only thing we have is our bottle number dot new dot container call which is a lot cleaner, made me a lot happier, and we can see the wiring happening here because now the container method in the bottles class is really just forwarding all those methods to the bottle number class, which is where the logic of how that container method works actually lives. Yes, and it's the same process that we're gonna do for the remainder of the flocked five methods. And Sandy and Katrina say, this is an extremely mechanical, wonderfully boring, and deeply comforting refactoring process. Mm -hmm. And I thought, yes, I guess that is what I want from my refactoring process. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that was a very common theme 
during the workshop as well because, you know, I felt like at times Sandy was apologetic about the process and how, you know, just it wasn't it wasn't an intellectual process. It wasn't a, mm. a magical process, but I really like that. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't really want code to be magical. That's to me the best part about learning how to code was finding out that it's not magic. It's actually things that I can figure out and I can do. So as I'm reading this book and in class, as I'm listening and watching her do the refactoring, I love that it's wonderfully boring. I think that's a huge, you know, that's a huge selling point to me. Yes, I agree. I like the fact that it's the, the thing that appeals to me about the wonderfully boring is the fact that it's safe. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. when you're refactoring, refactoring can seem really scary. Yep. Because you're thinking this works and I know I should change this, but what happens if I can't get it back to how it should be? Yes. And so when you know, hey, I'm just following this process and I keep doing it and there's no magic. And yes, you need to stay focused, but you don't need to think up any, you know, clever trickery. Yes. To me, that's, that is so appealing. And so when I saw it, I was very, it put a, it put a big smile on my face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You still have to pay attention. You still have to know what you're doing, but you're, you're not, you're not in a position where you have to come up with something clever, you know, or anything mm-hmm. like that. You're just following a recipe. Indeed. So looking at listing 5.14, forwarding messages to bottle number, we see what our bottles class ends up looking like. And take it, ignoring the, the, we still have the verses and song methods hiding up there. But in terms of the flocked five methods, they all have the same pattern, which is bottle number dot new, passing in number dot, and then the name of the flocked five method, whether that's container or quantity or action or pronoun or successor. Much shorter, for sure. Each method is just one line now. Indeed. So next, we move on to 5.2.4, removing arguments. So the interesting thing about our initialize method in our new bottle number class is that we have it, and it creates uh, the, the, the number, and we have an adder reader for numbers. So that part is good. We're all set up to be able to use this adder reader in a number of different places. But because of the way our actual methods are written, we're not actually taking advantage of that adder reader. So in our def container method, we pass in an argument number. And in the body of that method, we have if number equal equals one, return bottle, else return bottles. And because the argument is called number and the adder reader is also called number, Ruby looks at the context of that and determines that the number that we are figuring out if it's actually equal to one is referring to the argument passed in. So we're actually not using the adder reader at all. And so if we think about the fact that we're doing this entire extraction because we are trying to use smarter objects and we're trying to get away from our primitive obsession, uh, we can see that this this doesn't really work. And so we need to figure out a way to actually leverage the fact that we have our adder reader for number. So what we're going to do is do almost the opposite process to what we've been used to doing in earlier chapters of the book. So... In chapter three, we went through these steps to add arguments to a method that was already being called without one. And now what we need to do is remove arguments from a method that's currently being called with an argument. And it's a similar trick that we're going to use, which is setting the argument to a default. Mm -hmm. So if we look at listing 5.17 called renamed argument, in the container method, we change the name of the argument to be 
delete me instead of number, and we set that to nil. And this is great because before, when we were adding an argument, we called it to do or fix me. Mm-hmm. We called it fix me. And this time it's delete me. Mm-hmm. So I love how those <laughs> these arguments actually become uh, descriptive or helpful towards helping you work out which direction you're going yeah little instructions yeah and so now we've got delete me and it means that now number within the container method refers to our attribute reader that number property because we don't we no longer have an argument called number yeah much more useful so now what that means is we can go back up to our bottles class, we can go through our flocked five methods, and we can remove the arguments. So instead of bottle number dot new passing in number dot container passing in number, we'll just have bottle number dot new passing in number dot container. And we know that because of our initialized method and because we're actually using the adder reader for number in our bottle number class, it'll take care of itself and it doesn't need to get that, uh, that number again. Yes, and so we can now go back to the container method within the bottle number class and remove the delete me argument. Oh, that feels so much better. <laughs> that feels yes. so much better. And each time we've been running the tests and the tests never fail when you follow the steps like this. Yep, exactly. And so if we do a recap of the steps for removing an argument and doing that using just one line changes, we have step one, altering the method definition to change the argument name and provide a default. So for us, that was delete me. And then second, we have changing all of the um, the sender of the message to remove the parameters. So getting rid of that number argument being passed into container. And then we have finally deleting the argument from the method definition itself. So that thing that we call delete me, we're actually going to go back and delete it. Wonderful. Not too bad. So it is pretty straightforward when it's all set up like this. Yeah. And when we did it, in the workshop, it, it was very fast, you know, even though there's lots of explanation here and lots of details and conversation, it was a pretty fast process. And it was one of those things where I'm really glad there are five flocked methods because it gave us lots of opportunity to, <laughs> to fix it. Because the first time my pair and I, we, you know, walked through it and slowed down and did things, you know, really made sure we understood it. But then once we understood what we were doing, we were confident, the rest of them, we just, you know, knocked out pretty fast. Cool. So we finished this section on a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. We're sort of told, okay, go ahead and continue doing the same three simple steps on the rest of the Flocked 5 methods. You're going to find that quantity and action are going to work as expected, but when you get to pronoun, the tests begin to fail. Mm-hmm. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and so next week, when we go into section 5.2.5 called Trusting the Process, I think we're going to look at how we fix that uh, the case of the pronoun method. Yep. So we want to know, how do you feel about line-by-line refactoring? Do you have the patience for it? Was it wonderfully boring or just boring? Tweet us your responses at Club and tell us about how you plan to use the takeaways from this episode in your next project. See you next week. Cheerio!